Hello there, and welcome to this episode of Brothers on a Journey, the podcast where we seek the way, the truth, and the life through the historic faith. And the reason we call this podcast Brothers on a Journey is because we don't have it all figured out. It's exactly what it sounds like. We're brothers, and we're on a journey to understand the historic faith as it was handed down from the disciples to the very first church. In this podcast, in this podcast, we will be bringing you all sorts of great conversations. Sometimes we'll be talking about doctrine or theology or self-discipline, but for the most part, we'll be talking about practical things. Mm-hmm. How exactly do we be Christians in the 21st century? How do we live out our faith in this bizarre world that we're in that's got internet and mm-hmm. where anything we can imagine, we can have any piece of information at our fingertips at any given moment. How do we be Christians in this world today? Mm-hmm. And We are excited to have you uh, with us in this opportunity. We invite you, our viewers, to join us in this journey on how we can become pleasing and obedient children of our King. Now, before we get into the topic for the night, let me introduce the brothers that we have with us today. Over here to my right, we have the man with the uh, majestic beard, Mr. Len Martin. Uh, To my left, we have Bill Shy, the just lost 30 pounds guy. (laughs) <laughs> and then uh, to Bill's left, we have my best friend. He's my brother. He's my brother in Christ. He's also my blood brother. Um, he's been a huge influence in my life, Daniel Willis, and I'll be your host this evening. My name is Jason Willis. So tonight's topic, we're going to be talking about crucifying the old man. How do we crucify the old man both in the way that we live and how do we do that in the way that we think as well? Uh, Romans 6, 6 says that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Now, I could sit here for 15, 20, 30 minutes just reading verse after verse after verse uh, about uh, what this looks like, crucifying uh, the old man, to put the old man to death. And so this is exactly the question we're going to be looking at tonight. So. What do you think about that, Bill? Well, first of all, uh, some of you might misunderstand this. Um, When we talk about putting off or crucifying the old man, we're not talking about your dad, just in case that's what you're used to calling him. Um, Another uh, passage that deals with this is in Ephesians uh, chapter 4. It says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them, because of the blindness of their heart, uh, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanliness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard of him and been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your minds Uh, and that you put on the new man, which was created in Christ, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So one thing in starting this out is this, uh, this whole discussion presumes that there was an old self or old way we used to live. And that following Christ is part of becoming a different person actually. All right. And so, so the, uh, the discussion in these passages um, tells us that there's like, there's a death, there's a funeral has to happen. And there's a a dying that has to happen of the old self in order for the new self to take over. And also like throughout um, the new Testament, we're told to put off that old man Mm -hmm. and to 
crucify that old man. So it's not like something that's a once and done thing. Like in in our baptism, we take on the identity of Christ and are um, we're buried with him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. Um, so when we're converted, like that's there's a change that happens there, but there's still like it. We need to continue to do this. This isn't something that just happens once. It's something that, I mean, it would be nice if it happened once. (laughs) We'd all be happy. Um, But it's something that we need to choose. We always need to, since we're in in this human flesh, we always have to be choosing to walk by the spirit rather than by the flesh. Right. Yeah, Yeah, it is. uh, It does bring that verse to mind, um, being a living sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have Mm -hmm. to to live it out. Um, And that actually reminds me of this passage that I have pulled up on my screen here. Galatians 5, 16 says, But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of your flesh. For the flesh flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one, to one another. So there's a war that's going on inside of us. And if you think about it, um, it when, when your this passage talks about our the desires of our flesh. So when your desires line up with the desires of God, then there's no crucifixion to take place. I mean, when, when there's when there's harmony, the, the old man there's no old man to die. But the very moment that your desires aren't lining up with the desires of God and your will is not lining up with the will of God. Now the old man has to be put to death. And and what that ends up looking like is obedience to when your desires or when your will no longer matches the will of God, um, to put the old man to death is to obey, to obey in those situations is to die and to disobey is to keep the old man alive. And that may seem like it's a pretty just, simple and, and easy to understand kind of stuff. But one thing, uh, the world that I come from, uh, this idea of obedience uh, was something that it was it was presented in a way that's like, it's not even a possibility. Like we can't even be obedient children. And I know we're not going to be perfectly obedient or anything of that nature, but the idea was pounded into my head that it was impossible. In other words, that it was it was not even necessary to crucify the old man. It wasn't something that was possible. And... Um, as I started to look through the eyes of the historic church, I began to realize a completely different story. I began to realize that there was an idea in the beginning, there was an idea that, that obedience was actually possible. Not more than that, that it was something that was crucial. It wasn't, it's not just like a small thing that we, it's, that we have, that we're called to do, uh, that there are eternal consequences to that. And I found myself with a, a dilemma over here in the left hand. I was thinking to myself that, that my sin didn't even matter. Like when I sinned, nothing changed. Uh, I was a Christian before I sinned. I was a Christian after I sinned. I was saved before I sinned. I, I was saved after I sinned. Uh, but then when this new idea of Christianity was laid before me, I had some really bizarre thoughts that I had to think through. But the, And it's horrible to even describe these thoughts. I hate hearing them come out of my mouth. Uh, but the thoughts I had was, if I cannot sin and get away with it, what good is Christianity? Like, I thought the whole point of Christianity was to, to that I, I had to sin. There was no way I could avoid sin, but somehow I was let off the hook for it. Yeah, right. And so to be looking at, uh, looking through a different lens that I need to actually be obedient, um, you know, it was difficult to process those thoughts. What good is Christianity if this is, if this is the truth? Um, 
And so for those of you who may be out there in the world who are coming from that same place that I was coming from, you're thinking, you know, what good would Christianity be if I actually had to to be an obedient child? Uh, if this is you, then I would say that where we where you should focus is not necessarily the idea of crucifying the old man. Uh, I would say more so focus on obedience. What is your opinion going to be about uh, God's uh, requirement for us to be obedient children? Uh, you need to make a decision about that because if you're just going to keep believing that that obedience doesn't matter in any way, uh, then you're pretty much wasting your time watching a, a podcast about crucifying the old man. Because I mean, every time you crucify the old man, you're you're making a head-on collision with obedience one way or another. Right. So I'd encourage you to really dig into that. Um, what uh, what is the truth about God's requirements for us in obedience? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that's going to bring about then as you start in obedience and Christ likeness becomes important to you, you're going to start running into this old man and he's going to start squalling. And, and that's when that's when the battle really begins to heat up and we have to we have to do something with the old man. Could you define squalling for us? Squalling. Uh, squalling is. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's what a baby does or what a kid does when it's not hurt, but it doesn't like something and it just lets it out. Just, you know, straight out of the gut, mouth wide open. You know that type of stuff. <laughs> Great, like a like a like a pig that's you know that got grabbed by the hind leg or something like that. If you're if you're accustomed to the agricultural world or anything like that, uh, yeah, just really a gut wrenching protest. Yeah, one of the thoughts people have uh, is, I guess it's the opposite view of what we have is that if you believe that obedience has anything to do with your salvation, then you won't be saved. Um, is are we going to go? I don't know how many scriptures we have already went through, but because uh, I walked over there, uh, but are we going to go through some scriptures just showing that it's pretty obvious that obedience and and being with God go together? I know that the one you read, the uh, Galatians five sixteen, it it goes it continues to go and it lists all the sins, and then right at the end of the, it says if you live by the spirit it's it's this and if you live by the flesh it's this but when you live by the uh sinful nature your lives will produce these evil results and he continues and says all these things including like envy and selfishness and things that we don't even think about a lot and then drunkenness and fornication and all all the different things and at the very end he says uh, as I said before, I say it again, if you live this sort of life, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he talks about crucifying this, his self right after the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are next. And then mm-hmm. it talks about us Christians crucify our old, some, our old passions and desires on the cross. I don't, I don't have the Bible open, yeah. but um, did we already read that? No, I don't think so. But that's sort of another, another way, another set of terminology that's used is, is following the flesh or following the Spirit. And the old man mm-hmm. is still following its own, his own appetites, pursuing what I want, what feels good to me. And the Spirit is the one that calls us, is calling us to follow Jesus' way of humility and of service and honoring God and, and loving others rather than pursuing myself. Right. And yeah, it says right there at the end, it says those, the King James says, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and lust. So its desires and its interests and what it, what it's, it's, um, yeah, what it, what it loves and is, is priority to it is, is crucified. Yeah, I do have another several passages that 
that are just really clear um like that um jesus is coming back to repay each person for what he's done that's revelation 2 or 22 12 um galatians 6 7 to 9 says that if we're sowing to the spirit we'll reap eternal life um and if we if we continue in doing good we'll reap if we don't give up like um john 5 29 those who have done good will come out to the to the resurrection of life those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment yeah i think daniel made a really good point um I have a, a verse here. Um, Jesus says in John fourteen fifteen, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Like that's what, what mm-hmm. Jesus asks of those who, who love him. He right. also says in the Sermon on the Mount um, that everyone who hears these words, and he's saying this at the, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in context of that, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on on the rock Um, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man and his house fell as the story of course goes and so the foundation there is obedience that's yeah the the solid foundation he's saying to build on yeah yeah and it's and the sermon on the mount is the immediate context for those Mm -hmm. verses So Daniel already alluded to this one, but I'm just going to read the passage just um, to put it all together here. Um, and, uh, and, and the interesting thing about this is Galatians 5. The interesting thing about it is it's, it's in this context of liberty, living in liberty, that he tells us then. He says, uh, the, I say then, this is the, the New King James, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you wish but if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law and that's speaking about the law of moses not the law of christ now the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery fornication uncleanness lewdness idolatry sorcery hatred contentions that stuff's starting to get kind of close home um, <laughs> jealousies outbursts of wrath selfish ambitions dissensions heresies envy murders drunkenness revelries and the like which is a good disclaimer phrase. It's not, you know, you, you can't say, well, this isn't technically that. It's it, all that kind of stuff. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that's a pretty, a pretty stiff uh, boundary there. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, which kind of is a segue into what we're talking about, about crucifying the old man. Just uh, against such, there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, then let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. So some pretty clear, some pretty clear passages and some pretty uh, clear boundaries there that call us to a different, a different life, a life that's displaying a completely different set of, behavior and character yeah and those um the fruit of the spirit those virtues are just such beautiful virtues Mm -hmm. and and i think it's pretty clear that they are 
either the opposite or the antithesis or something of what's coming before. And so it's, it's not like God just wants us not to do certain things. He wants us to be a certain kind of way. And it's a beautiful life. Like it's, it's how we, how we'll actually enjoy our lives quite a bit more being there. Right. Like I, um, I was going to save this for later, but this, um, it, it makes sense here. Like when I see you guys and the obedience that you want to have for Christ, um, I don't get the sense that you're like, oh boy, I did something bad. Now, now I'm just a terrible person. And, oh, I'd better not do that because that's a terrible thing. Oh, I'd better not do that because the wrath of God might fall on me. Like it's not, that's not the kind of life that we're, that we're living or that I see you guys living. It's God asks these things of us because it's a joy. Like mm-hmm. he, he has our best interests in mind. Like a father asking his child to not touch the burning stove. Like right. it's not like the child is like, I, yeah. I have to be careful every time I walk past the stove, not to touch this thing because my dad said not to. Yeah. No, it's like, if you don't touch it, you're going to enjoy your life quite a bit <laughs> yeah, more. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's a a friend of Jason, and uh, I won't say his name, mine and Jason's friend back home, when I bring up this verse, he's a once saved, always saved guy, and he's really adamant about uh, not believing this verse, how it's said, and the first opposing thought he brought up was that, well, this isn't for Christians, but it's talking about the Spirit, like if you now that you have the Spirit, follow the Spirit, and it's leading in your lives, and then it's contrasting the simple nature and it's telling us not to do that. And it says anyone. And then he'll bring up that, well, the kingdom of God part is uh, just like the rewards on earth. If you, when you run into people like that, there's no arguing with them. They've already made up their mind. And um, if you can't look at the scriptures, honestly, uh, then I mean, those, I, I would suggest to stay away from those people because I mean, especially if you're not rooted in the faith, because you can find any amount of excuses. You can find all kinds of teachers to teach you uh, what you want to hear. And But the clear reading of this is that it's to people with the Holy Spirit. They still have a choice to follow the simple nature, and they need to crucify themselves. And when they do follow the Holy Spirit, you get all these fruits. And when you're abiding in Christ, we don't have the, I don't want to call them fruits, the rotten fruits of the mm-hmm. evil one. Um and so anyway, there's when you find people who just can't read some of these things straight up, um, I'm not saying ignore them and dust your feet right away, but chances are they're not going to, if they don't seem to have a listening heart, don't waste too much time with them because it can pull you that their way. Because it's, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. it's enticing to think that uh, we can just do whatever we want. Um, I mean, not now in my position, but at some parts of my life, I would have thought it was pretty enticing. Hit them. Yeah. You, this. <laughs> yeah, like Lynn brought out, this it's not God's not trying to rob us of anything. And that's actually what Satan, when he started this whole thing of sin and doing your own thing, he was trying to get us to think that God's holding something back from us. Right. And it's actually the good life. It's good, it's good, it's freeing to be free from lust. It's good to to to, to lay off bitterness and and grudges and to, to control your attitudes and love and be kind instead of being angry. That's a, that's a good life. Everybody wants Mm -hmm. to have a neighbor like that. Everybody wants to be married to somebody like that. Everyone wants a boss like that, an employee like that. Um, 
And, and yeah, like Daniel was saying, like there's these passage, these these verses that God allowed to be put in here that kind of ends those discussions. Like in, in Galatians five twenty four says, "Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts." And if you haven't, then you don't belong to Christ. All right. And just making this practical here, um, I enjoy food <laughs> quite a bit, even if I don't look like it. Um, and it's I've I've realized that if I like if I have a heaping plate full of something that I just really enjoy eating and I just eat and eat and eat and eat and stuff my face, how much am I really enjoying this food? Whereas if I say, all right, I'm going to, I can eat this amount and then I enjoy each mm-hmm. bite. I thank God for each bite. And yeah. like I might it. only eat half yeah. as much, but I'm enjoying it mm-hmm. twice, twice as much. Yeah. yeah. Or, or more because if I have to, if I eat this piece of chocolate cake and I'm like, oh boy, this is so good. Let me cut another piece. The second piece just doesn't taste as good. Diminished returns. And, yeah. And then you have, and then you have the consequences afterwards. Then you're right. sitting around with your stomach full. Uh-huh. Then you're, you know, like I've been doing, then you've got to either sit around and be overweight and have health problems and energy problems or else mm-hmm. you got to go and work it off and fast and stuff. Or, you know, then you have to really over. Overcome. So it's, yeah, yeah. Then you have, you have, uh, you have this problem. Then you have the consequences. And I, I think about what my coach says about that. You choose your hard. You know, there's the yeah. hard of discipline, and choosing to not eat a humongous piece of cake or two or three or four. Um, but then you can enjoy it, and then afterwards, there's no, there's no consequence. There's no bad consequences. The consequences is reward and health and things mm-hmm. like that. And it's the same way with God's way that it's. Yeah, there is a hard to it, but it's it's much easier to, to deny my wrong desires and choose the right ones than it is to give in to those wrong inclinations and then have to deal with the, the, the rottenness that I receive in my life and in the life of those around me because of that. Right. So the self-control, like the being able to, well, crucify the old man, like I think self-control is is a good description of that mm-hmm. um and so that that self-control actually brings brings joy and when god asks us not to be gluttonous i don't if that's a word um and asks us to have self-control it's not something that we're not really being held back by this mm-hmm. we're holding our desires back but we're actually ahead because we're the ones in control of ourselves mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and that's a good point. The Christian life isn't so much things that we don't do. Like the the do yeah. nots in the scripture are like do not enter signs to keep us out of territory that's going to be harmful or dangerous. Mm-hmm. And, but the point is so that we can get going down the right path. We can follow the right way to live. The welcome life. signs. <laughs> yeah, right. And so it's uh, whenever I like this, uh, this practice has been helpful for me is whenever I see a don't in scripture, definitely heed to it, but then look for the do, because that's what God always wants us to find is the do. And it's something we pursue. It's something we fill our lives with, with right. the good. Yeah. So bringing this down to, well, Len just did a good job of making it practical, but uh, bringing it even a new level of practical. I was thinking to myself, how if you're asking the question, what do I do in my life right now to where, how do I identify areas in my life where I can make sacrifice, where I can be a living sacrifice and crucify the old men. 
and I found a <clears throat> a PDF online that has I'll put it in the uh, in the link the link in the description below has 1050 commands that are in the New Testament and I pulled it up and I just spent 10 minutes reading it and when when you think about crucifying the old man and you and you see how it connects with obedience you can you we have over a thousand commands at our fingertips that tell us exactly what crucifying the old man looks like. And I just, I just read 10 of them and jotted them down. Do no violent, do violence to no man. Like when, when, when you have the feeling, man, I'd really like to punch this guy in the face, like crucify the old man. That's the opportunity. Do good. Not the one in front of you, but the one in you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Crucify the man in you. Good point there. Uh, do good. I mean, when, when you didn't get enough sleep and then you got a little bit of a headache and you just, you don't feel like doing good. That's your opportunity to crucify the old man, do all things without murmuring or disputing. Uh, do, uh, do not commit adultery. Do not lust. You know, when you, when you have those temptations, that's your opportunity to crucify the old man, be holy, be perfect, give freely, give willingly, take no heed of fables and commandments of human beings, uh, and hold a good conscience. Like, in just a few minutes, you can download that PDF and read ten things that you can apply into your into your life uh, in a very practical way. And um, I was thinking, so a really challenging thought that I had was, how many opportunities in my life have I missed? to have the opportunity to make that sacrifice to God and crucify the old man because I don't have all of these 1,050 commandments chiseled in stone in my heart. So I think that one practical thing that we can do is to really study these commandments and and do our best to memorize all of them uh, so that we, we have the renewed mind and can identify all the different ways throughout our day that we have the opportunity to actually make those sacrifices. If you don't know what the commands are, then how do you, how do you know what the, mm-hmm. what the sacrifice is going to look at look like? And how do you know what God wants for your life all right. at that point? Like how do you know what God's will is unless you know what he asks you to do? Right. Yeah. Right. I have a, something to add here. <clears throat> so a lot of, we'll get a lot of accusations possibly, uh, that we're works-based salvation, and we believe we can earn our salvation. And we absolutely don't believe that. We believe all the scriptures as a whole. Um, like in uh, Titus 3, 5, um, maybe 4 and 5, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, he saved us through the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly. So we believe that scripture, but we also believe in the same book, the same writer, uh, Titus 1.15. Um, I think it's here. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but even their mind and conscience are defiled. They professed to know God, by their, but in their works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. So obedience and uh, belief go together, and they can't be separated. And I'm going to show you a few more verses that go with that. We, we believe that God does the saving work, that we're not saving, we're not doing all these things to build uh, to try to earn salvation. There's nothing we can do to 
earn it. It's a gift, but we still have to obey his commands to receive it. There's, there's conditions Mm -hmm. to the gift. And, um, another one would be, uh, this is, you'll have to kind of read between the lines a little bit here, but, um, and to whom did he swear they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey. So you see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So their unbelief and disobedience are linked here. And that's uh, Hebrews 3, 18 and 19. And then if you jump over to Hebrews 4, he says, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Um, so there's, we have to be diligent. Uh, we have to enter that rest. We have to obey and, and our belief and o- obedience can't be separated there. Mm-hmm. If you're living a disobedient life, then you're living an unbelieving life. You can confess to know God all you want. Um, but if you don't know God, I mean, if you, I mean, if you're disobeying him in all things, then you're not on the vine. And those are the people who he'll say, I never knew you, you practice lawlessness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a, it's a, anyway, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah. But about the thought of, this idea that people have that the one way that you can lose your salvation is by trying to please God somehow and trying to be obedient that the the concept of works-based salvation for for the sake of the souls of the people who believe that part of me wants that to be true for their sake um I don't think that's the truth Mm -hmm. and um you will not do yourself any disservice by living your life thinking and believing that the the way is narrow. And, uh, you know, for me personally, the, it, my life used to not be this way. But for me, when I look at different opinions about very difficult things, I want to please the king. And so I tend, in my old life, I would tend to gravitate towards whatever the, the easiest and the most pleasing feeling. And that's what that was the interpretation that I would take. In my life today, I tend to gravitate towards which one of these is is more difficult, which one is will take more effort on my part. And I'm not I'm not trying to earn my salvation, but I do want to please please my king. You want to show your love mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I um and I think that's a part of the new covenant. You know, the new covenant, God, he he puts a uh, he writes his law in our hearts and on our minds, mm-hmm. and he makes us love them. Like mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't love the law of God, and if you don't love his commandments, I think it's a good idea to question whether or not you're in the new covenant. That's like, mm-hmm. that's a part of it. Yeah. You know, he causes us to walk in his statutes. Um, and yeah, so that's just my thought on that. Yeah. And that's actually like, I don't want people to, to think, Oh, help. I've, I've missed the boat because I'm living in disobedience. And that's not what we're saying here. Like if you're if you're in disobedience, it's actually a good thing that you can see that you aren't you see where you are. Like God is showing you where you are. God is showing you that you're not on the vine mm-hmm. and um, that and when you realize where you are, that you're not on the vine, you can actually repent. You can turn you can turn to God. There's um, throughout scripture, God calls people to repent and turn to him again um, he, like the unbelieving Israelites in in um, Romans 11, he says these people can be, Paul says these people can be grafted back onto the vine again, mm-hmm. um, even though they rejected Christ. And 
like there's there's hope for you you just need to repent that's all yeah. this 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 could be a whole topic in itself we don't want to spend a lot of time but it might be good too to talk about our concept of salvation that salvation as jesus and the apostles taught it is not so much about or i should say it includes a lot more than just a legal uh canceling of a debt that we owe somehow but it's actually about being saved from sin and changed into servants of righteousness that's the point that was the problem in the garden of eden that was the problem all through the old testament was that people kept choosing their own way and uh, that rebellion kept bringing destruction on them and that's what jesus came to to cancel out and to and to begin a nation of people that serves god out of their hearts you, you alluded to some of those prophecies from the old testament like jeremiah and ezekiel are tremendous beautiful pictures of a kingdom of people who serve god because they they want to they love his ways rather than you know, kicking at his sacrifices and pulling away the shoulder mm -hmm. and all those kind of things. Right. So and God, God can, sorry for butting in. No, I, did, fine, I wanted ahead. to make sure I clarified <laughs> something I said. You know, God can give us the, the power to live righteously. Right. And God can create uh, or give us his spirit and create our, us as new men. And like, it's, it's not like he's saying, oh, you're, you've fallen short, so there's no there's no hope for you unless you work really hard. It's that he says, choose me and, mm -hmm. and I'll give you the spirit mm -hmm. that will help you to, um, to walk in mm -hmm. the light. Yeah. So it's not like we're, again, it's not like we're earning our salvation. God is, God is, is helping us every step mm -hmm. of the way, just leading us along like a father leads his children. And yeah. Yeah, we're participating with God in changing ourselves. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the purpose of, destroying the old man is so that we can be filled with God's spirit. Then that's the, what can be leading and guiding us and living in us and, and driving us um, so that we have something bigger than ourselves to be able to, to live this new life with. So, so, so what does killing the old man look like? Like, how do you do this? I mean, is it something you do in the bedroom, you know, after you get out of the shower, you put some deodorant on or something like it <laughs> snuffs him out. Like, how do you, how do you actually, as we go through our day and we encounter this stuff, how do we actually, how do we actually make that guy hang there and, and bleed him to death? I think it kind of boils back to what we were discussing earlier, knowing what the commands are and uh, knowing uh, when you know what the commands are, like every, I think one cue that we can take is we have all sorts of emotions that we experience, but when you experience any negative emotion, like, there's, it's not always, it's not guaranteed, but there's a good possibility. There's a command you need to be bringing into your life mm -hmm. to deal with that negative emotion one way mm -hmm. or another. Yeah. Um, and that can go the other way. There, there may, there's some pause. There's some things that, that the flesh will consider positive emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, that, you know, anytime you have a spike in emotion one way or another, you should be evaluating and uh, what is this thought that I'm having? How do I take this thought captive and, and taking that thought captive, is going to look like one way or another bring a bringing a command in and being mm -hmm. obedient to it. Mm -hmm. So a big in this is this whole thing that we actually have a choice. Like yeah. all through the day, whatever's going on, we're not victims of our DNA or circumstances or the fall or original sin or whatever people might believe about some of that stuff. Um, but we actually we have we're free agents and we can within the context we can choose how we're going to relate to everything that comes along. Yeah. And, and it gets easier as time goes by. I, 
the thought just came to my mind. I hate to use the term spiritual muscles because I feel like it's cliche. Mm -hmm. It's like a weird thing to say, but or, anyway, um, the like when I the other day I tilled the backyard for like maybe half an hour, and for mm -hmm. three days after that, I mean, I, my back was destroyed. <laughs> I thought yeah. I had the flu. I didn't have the flu. My whole body ached. Yeah. Um, and uh, but you know, I, when you do those things over and over. You, you know, your, your, your body, you don't experience the same pain and it's the same way with sin. Mm -hmm. When you have sin in your life that you've been feeding for like sometimes for decades, you've been, you've been seeking out sin, you've been cultivating it, you've been feeding it every, at every chance you make plans in your day about how you're going to uh, entertain that sin this evening. When you do that over and over, it, um, it's like not going to the gym for a long time and, and you're, you're, you're just, you're weak. Mm-hmm. And so when you have those first experiences of, of, of crucifying the old man, I mean, it hurts mm -hmm. so much more in the beginning. I, you know, it makes me think of when I'm, when I quit drinking, I mean, the, that first six months with my butt, I mean, it, it hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, but it does change. It mm -hmm. becomes easier, but, and you, but, and you, but you have to, you have to deal with the moment, the, the moment that you're in, that you have the opportunity to, to crucify and, and kill that moment, mm -hmm. kill the man in that moment. And then in the beginning, you'll have another moment that'll come up. Um, but it, it does get easier. So be encouraged. It does mm -hmm. get easier as time yeah. unfolds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This makes me think of, um, also the, all the people out there that are trying to do this alone. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. Killing the flesh is something you do as a, as a brotherhood, as a yeah. church. Right. And when, I mean, you might have some success alone, some, but then, you'll find yourself beating yourself up because you you don't have continual success and then it makes it where you read this start reading the scriptures with the lens that well if i can't conquer this then all those people who say it's impossible must be true and so these verses make more sense now that through my experience which is i said jesus it's not a good way to read the bible but through my experience i can't beat this and so these false teachers what they're saying must be true so i'm gonna yeah. believe that they um, can't mean that because because it's just yeah they just can't happen yeah and so just know that you have to find a group of people who are all serious about living for the king loving the king and by loving the king um as we see in john mm -hmm. i think 15 and 16 it's by obeying his commands and um so when you have a group of men knowing they are, they are going to obey Jesus' commands even if it costs them their life or their money or going to prison. Um, those are the kind of people you're going to surround yourself by who will fight tooth and nail. Uh, if that's this phrase, mm -hmm. I don't even know where that comes mm -hmm. from. Hopefully it's not an ungodly one. Um, <laughs> they, will, they will resist the evil one and mm -hmm. as much as possible with each other. And when people fall, you have everybody to confess your sins to and lift each other up and encourage one another and tell them to get back on the straight and narrow and to make sure they don't get cut off the vine or be part mm -hmm. of the weeds or the, the bad fish that gets thrown out of the kingdom of God. Um, so if you're doing it alone and it's making the other teachings temp tempting and these teachings ultra convicting, but uh, you're tempted to call it false teachings, um, mm -hmm. then you should probably find a brotherhood who, all want to walk uh, in obedience with the Lord. Mm -hmm.
And and for some reason, there's this there's this teaching out there, like it's been alluded to, that if you're if you believe obedience is important, then you turn into this self righteous Pharisee, legalistic, a, yeah, legalistic, yeah. and that you're a, a hard nosed person, and you know. And the fact is, is there's there are people out here who do that. I I've I've been in around people like that in my own life. Probably even started a little that way. But that's always because we're not really focusing on what Jesus taught us because mm-hmm. Jesus teaches us about humility and about um, and making our relationships as brothers important and the way we treat people and being gentle and things like that. So that's, I, I guess in, in my journey through some of this stuff, um, that's what I came to realize is that that's not obedience. Mm-hmm. It's maybe making a checklist of certain things and then saying, well, look at me, you know, I'm better mm-hmm. than you about it. But that's it's not, Phariseeism. Yeah, it's yeah. Phariseeism. It's not humble obedience um, and definitely not not looking at the whole of what Jesus and the apostles teach us to be. So mm-hmm. when you when you are truly, back to that thing, when you are a truly obedient person to Jesus out of uh, childlike humility because you want to please your dad and you want to live clean, like you don't become that kind of person. It, it, it actually pulls you in quite the other way, the mm-hmm. other direction. Right. Just this morning, we were talking about the role of choice in this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Bill and Bill and I were talking about that. Um, Bill, you want to give any thoughts about how does choice play? Like, how do our choices play into crucifying the old man? Yeah. So, I guess one way, one thing in my my journey through this is the old man is a liar, right? The old man got started back in the Garden of Eden by listening to Satan. And Satan says, hey, God's holding something back from you. Do your own thing, and it's going to go a lot better. You're actually going to, your future awaits, you know. And uh, and he's a liar. And so in all this stuff, it's because in our mind, we think this is the way to live life. This is what's going to give me what I really want. This is uh, some of it we actually don't think through very far. But like as if we think the world's going to be a better place if all of us do this, you know. And Jesus comes along and says, I am the way. And some reason not, I always thought of that, or for years I thought of that as like some sort of a path. And so step one, step two, you know, the Roman road to salvation type of thing. Like I'm a way to take care of the problem that you're going to go to hell when you die, rather than Jesus saying, I am a way of what, follow me, live like I do. And that was the call to discipleship, was to come pattern yourself after me. Um, and so this whole thing is, a, is, is at its core, I don't know if I want to say it starts at, but it, it's the fountain from choosing a different way of life to follow what Jesus says is the real way to life rather than what Satan and, my, and myself and, and the people, the world, the people who are following Satan um, and self, choosing what Jesus says is the way to live life rather than what they say. And so that, to me, that's a big thing in this um, that I like to do because my myself is deceitful. Right. And so like, First of all, like you said, is we have to feast on the commandments of God and, and Jesus' way and the life that he showed, the life the apostles taught and showed. And and then we have a picture of somewhere we do want to go. We have a picture of what is clean and what's pure and what's true, what is going to make the world back into to Eden. And, um, and then I like to tell myself when I see things that tempt me, say, that's not true. That mm-hmm. doesn't work out that way. If I get that new phone, it's not going to make me young and healthful and have all <laughs> kinds of relationships and adventure in life. And that's kind of an obvious one. It's a pet peeve of mine. Verizon does that with their advertisements. It's like, if you spend $1,200 and get this new phone, they don't say that, but that the pictures all tell you that. And and my nature is 
to kind of think that like if I pay another four hundred dollars and get this phone with the bigger screen and the better resolution, you know, it's not the other one's going to work just fine. Um, so if, and, if a phone ad comes up during this video, yeah. don't, don't click. Just don't click. Okay? That's of Satan. It doesn't make your beard bigger. <laughs> well, I have another. I'm thinking of the people like my old self looking at this and thinking, well, they are legalistic. I mean, they don't have TVs. They don't watch things that the world watches. They don't enjoy entertainment that the world enjoys. That's so legalistic. But there's this idea that, uh, came to me, I don't know, maybe when I started joining this church, but it was uh, from a song, a children's song that my kid, my children were singing. Sorry, <laughs> kids are goats, so we don't say kids here. Um, actually, a lot of people do, so. But anyway, children. <laughs> you were just kidding. <laughs> Our children were singing this song, input, output, what goes in must come out. And so there's the verse that says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the overflow of the heart is not just something that's in you. It's something you're fill The heart is your mind and you're, you're filling what you're filling your mind with and constantly mulling over and meditating on is going to come out. And so it's so important that we don't just fill our minds with all these deceitful, wrong things. And so, uh, the entertainment of the world is often very naked and very, has all different types mm-hmm. of sins, envious and jealousy and quarreling and outbursts of anger and all the different things and violence is a huge one. And what goes in will come out. And, uh, and a bad example of this was when I was younger, there was a movie called Fight Club and there's a club where they fought. Please don't go watch the movie. Um, and then me and my friends started a fight club. Um, it doesn't mean we, I mean, we, most people have more self-control than that than to watch a movie and do that. But it does, <laughs> it does influence mm-hmm. you to what you put in. And so all these choices that we make that seem legalistic from the outside are actually freeing um, when you're in the inside mm-hmm. to not be a participate in certain things that will lead us to uh, fill our heart with something that shouldn't be in our heart. And then our mouths then say and do things that we shouldn't say Mm-hmm. And then our bodies follow our tongue, you know, and we can't control our tongue and our tongue's like a rudder and James. And then we just end up mm-hmm. doing what our mouth says, which is the overflow of our heart. And so um, the reasons from the outside looking in, it may look um, like legal legalism is uh, is not it's not legalistic. It's just, we're protecting ourselves from putting garbage in cause it will come out. And then if garbage is coming out, then we're going to be dis disobedient. And then mm-hmm. God will see that as disbelief. And then if you don't believe in God, you're a goat. So, yeah. And, and what going to what you were saying, nobody calls a person who eats healthily legalistic yeah. rather than somebody who goes to McDonald's every day and eats like eats fast food, Everybody's like, well, you shouldn't do that. That's bad for your health. Um, but do they sit around and say, all right, you guys are all legalistic because you care about your health? I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. I mean, a double standard. Right. I mean, we have our spiritual health to look at. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, this is serious. Like, we got to take care of this. So, to, what you're said basically is if you want to starve the old man, don't feed him. Yeah, don't feed him. Don't feed him. <laughs> right. Instead, feed the new man. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's that's a real simple one right yeah. there. Just don't feed him. Don't don't be mm-hmm. dwelling on things. Don't be allowing yourself 
media intake and uh, company that's except this that's media. Growing. <laughs> <laughs> media intake that's feeding the old man. Yeah, and it's yep. it sounds. It, this will make it sound really simple, but in a way, it just is really simple. Like every mm-hmm. time a choice, every time you have the choice between doing the right thing and doing the wrong thing, or or um, doing the self-controlled thing or doing the not self-controlled thing, you just like you just choose that choice, mm-hmm. and you you just make the choice right then. You don't mm-hmm. have to be like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to like be perfect for years and years mm-hmm. and years or something. You just every time that choice comes up, you make the choice right then. Maybe you failed the last choice, but mm-hmm. this choice, you just make the choice right. Um, or maybe you failed the last thousand choices. It's mm-hmm. but you'll still like there will be a choice that comes up. You can choose to um, click on that Verizon ad, or you can <laughs> choose not to. And so you just choose not to. Like it's it yeah. that makes it sound. I I hope it doesn't make it sound too simple, but. In a way, that is what it is, and each each choice we make, um, it will be just a little bit easier on the next choice. Yeah, it's a good point. Even if you've even if you failed thousands of choices prior, you're still responsible for your next choice. That's right. The choice mm-hmm. in front of you, right? like you're responsible for that one. You can't do anything about the ones in the past. So I've got a question for you guys that just came to mind. Um, do you mind me saying one more no, thing about yeah, that? Go ahead. Uh, so the one last thing if I can remember it now that I've interrupted you, um, is uh, the when we make these choices, we're, none of us are saying that we're doing all this on our own power. As we started mm-hmm. off, like we have the Holy Spirit now, and this Holy Spirit gives us these things, including the very last one on the list, self-control. And these are gifts, and that, but they're not going to control us. We have to choose to follow the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit and choose the Holy Spirit's way jesus's way Mm -hmm. and so i know there's people out there thinking oh they're trying to do it all themselves we're not trying to do it all ourselves we can't do it ourselves we're doing it with the brotherhood and the holy spirit and jesus and god and and i mean everybody and um so anyway i just wanted to clarify that before that's actually where i was going oh sorry no 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 no. you did you did good segue you back to that i was taking back to the brotherhood yeah we need to do it with the brotherhood Mm -hmm. so let's say the situation of the viewer maybe that that they decide they want to bring more discipline in their lives and they want to work on crucifying the old man <clears throat> but they don't have um they they don't see any t- any desire in their brothers around them to do that um can we think of any practical advice on what steps they might be able to take to find brothers how do you find brothers when you're not surrounded you know uh, when you're not surrounded by brothers mm-hmm. who are interested in this, how, where do where do people? What do you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I actually think that I I jump to extremes, but um, I f- like when I kind of found out that there might be churches in the world that actually try to resemble the Acts two and four churches, uh, and someone said, if you knew those churches existed, would you not move there and try to be a part of them? And I was thinking, of course I would. And then when I heard. Uh, Finney Caravilla talk about um, these certain churches called Anabaptist churches that have like ultra low level of people leaving the faith. Uh, even if they leave the Anabaptist movement, they normally are part of the faith um, compared to evangelicals and Protestants. And he also talked about the rate of uh, purity, sexual purity, uh, the differences between them. Um, 
I wanted to be a part of the church that that resembled this, that was an obedient church. And so we moved here and Jason moved here. And I think that it's worth uh, losing your, leaving your job, leaving your home, leaving your family to find a group of people who are interested. I'm not saying come here. There's lots of, a uh, lot more than I ever imagined obedient churches out there. I, uh, when I moved here, I, it seemed like there were only a few, but as I've grown to know these communities, there's a ton. Um, a lot less than the what the you know everybody calls themselves a Christian and the churches out there that aren't obedient. Uh, but there's still a lot to choose from, and and even in your own congregations, if you're in a big church, you could probably find two or three men who want to live obedient lives, and you can connect yeah. with them. I mean, we're not saying leave your church, but you can find people and then maybe your influence of your obedient mm-hmm. lives will influence the whole body. And, um, and they just might be sitting there thinking the same thing right. and thinking yeah. nobody else wants to, nobody yeah. wants, wants, yeah. wants to knock this out. Now I will say there, I, I think there is a lot of benefit in finding brothers in your church that you're at to live a, to attempt to live a holy life with my experience of moving from just a, a worldly life into a, a culture where people for decades were attempting to practice living holy. It had a huge, I feel like I've been able to grow so much quicker in this environment because so I would come here and I started getting plugged into these groups. And, you know, one of the things that's very important is that we confess our sins and I would, when I first got here, some, some people would confess their sins and I would be thinking, that's a little sin. Like, man, these guys have a high bar. Like I realized the dramatic growth that needed to take place in my life. And I'm not sure if I would, if I didn't see that, mm-hmm. if I, if I was just around a couple of guys that were like, Hey, you want to get mm-hmm. serious for the first time in our lives, maybe about this. And we've mm-hmm. never, we've never had really solid influence. Um, it might be, I'm not encouraging you to leave your church anyway, but uh, there's definitely I experienced a huge mm-hmm. benefit and and uh, pouring my life and uh, surrounding myself with people who were just trying for and had a good foundation in their lives already. Yeah, and when we say we don't <laughs> encourage you to leave your church, that is what we mean. Like that's if you if you can at all find um, have a, a an obedient love faith relationship with with God in your church where you mm-hmm. are definitely stay there and, mm-hmm. and build that church. Um, I mean, it's it's quite possible you'll need to leave your church at some point and find another one, um, but that's not what we're encouraging you to do. We're encouraging mm-hmm. you to serve Christ however, like, however he mm-hmm. asks you to do that. Yeah, and Jason and I, Jason wasn't attending a church, uh, and I w- was in China for 10 years, and we didn't really have a home church anymore. It was just like we had supporters from a bunch of different churches, but we didn't have one we called home. So when we got back, it wasn't like we were leaving a church. Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. But we realized we need to submit to some elders and to the brotherhood and uh, do what's right. And so that's why the move was so easy for us. I'm, and so don't think, well, they did it. So we that's what yeah, we Yeah, I didn't do. leave a church. I wasn't in one. Yeah. Some of what you're saying, Jason, is like, especially like in a, accountability group uh, especially we ran into this with 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 a group trying to work on victory and purity that you need to have somebody there who's 
who's victorious, mm-hmm. not absolutely perfect, but somebody who is, who is, that's not their big struggle in life. Um, they've, they've, they've learned to crucify the old man and are being ruled by the new man. Otherwise it can quickly become a, a commiserating group. It's like, yeah, I yeah. know I failed. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I failed too, you know, and we all just failed yeah. and we all want to do better, but there's somebody to, to keep the bar up there and help right. you to, to keep taking steps that are going to pull you out of where you're at. Not just, not just sit here and say, man, we all, we all just really want to do better, but uh, it's not happening. Right. Yeah. How long are we going? Uh, we'll probably wrap good. it up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have I have one thing that I that I'd like to ask a question I'd like to ask before we wrap it up. One question I have is for those people who are really striving to live an obedient life, and they're like, "Oh, I failed in this thing, and I failed in this thing," you know, and um, am I have I lost my salvation now because I've because I failed because I sinned in this case, or or maybe they they've seen a lot of growth, but they're just not quite. They don't feel like they've attained to where they want to be, which we haven't either, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do we say to these people who are who are really concerned? They're they're trying to live an obedient life, but they're not sure whether they're quite measuring up. So I think about the uh, the uh, some scriptures that talk about assurance of salvation which is sort of a little bit what you're talking about mm-hmm. is like, how do I know that I'm actually a child of God? I'm acceptable before God. I think of first um, John one, seven through nine, it says, if we, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and the blood of mm-hmm. Christ cleanses us. And if we walk in the light um, with Christ, as he is in the light, we were following him into the light. We're taking steps. What we do know, what we're convicted about, we're not saying, yeah, well, you know, but we're mm-hmm. saying this has got to stop. And we're striving for it. Uh, again, we have that promise that the blood of Christ um, covers us mm-hmm. uh, from sin, and we have fellowship cleanses with God. Us. Cleanses us. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for the correction. A little, <laughs> little different connotation there. It doesn't just cover it up and say oh, it's okay necessarily, but it's it cleanses us. Um, that's a discussion for another yeah. podcast. <laughs> um, and then Romans uh, Romans eight uh, verse six. It says, "As many as are led." The King James says, "Led." I think it's a little more aggressive than that. But those who are driven by the Spirit of God, those are the sons of God. Um, and somebody who is sitting there wrestling and weeping with their sin is obviously someone being driven by the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. That's not a place where you want to stay. Where there's things that. I, you're massively living in 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 defeat over but that's a good sign that you are still if the spirit is still working within you you're not being ruled by the old man um yeah. those are just a couple passages that come to my mind th- yeah first john <laughs> is a great book for that yeah i think that's a really good good point there when you when you talk about weeping like there is time in my life where i was <clears throat> um struggling with sin and having no victory over it but the the sorrow wasn't there yeah. But there was also a point in my life where where I wanted I wanted to overcome these things and I and I got made serious. It's all right, I'm I'm not gonna sin. I'm not gonna sin. And then try really hard and have a short amount of victory, a small amount of victory, more victory than I ever had before, but still relatively a small amount of victory. And then to fall again and then get back on the horse and say, All right, I'm doing it again. I'm not gonna sin again. And then just trying really hard and then after doing that and falling two three four times trying really hard it brought me to a place where i was just i fell on a week and they know it, it, it jesus said that blessed are those who mourn mm-hmm. and he's talking about blessed those who mourn on, on over your sin so mm-hmm. if you're in that spot i'd say 
make commitments and strive. And then if you fail, get up and, and make another hard commitment and strive and then mm -hmm. really work at it to a point where when you fall, your, your heart weeps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and after some good weeping yeah. over your sin, like mm -hmm. some things change yeah. or something about that, yeah. it, it, mm -hmm. it helps. That's one thing that's got to nail down, be nailed down though, is if, and I, I was at points like this in my own life that was like, even if I struggle with this the whole rest of my life, I'm going to fight. I'm going to struggle because I can't say this is okay. And that it does, it brings about a, a, a first Corinthians, second Corinthians seven says about the repentance, the godly repentance, that vehement desire, um, mm -hmm. clearing of yourselves. Like it, it, something starts happening there. Um, and, and a lot of this stuff, the, 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 uh, the old man is a master and, and, and many times if you, have something you're trying to tackle in your life. Uh, one one area I ran into it big was with, was with pure with lust. We're not struggling with purity. We we want purity. We're struggling <laughs> against lust, right? And we're fighting against lust. And um, is is I would find that there were I, I, something would happen. I'd look at something that was not appropriate, and I'd be like, "How did I get here?" And I'd look back, and there was little things in my in my day where I gave dominion. I made him my master by serving him, like Romans six teaches us. Mm -hmm. And you know, maybe it was just holding taking a, an offense against something from somebody at work or some comment somebody made or feeling sorry for myself about something or just a choice to be lazy you know instead of finding something profitable to do plop on the couch and scroll you know mm -hmm. and and that that gave the flesh it gave the old man the do what i want what what feels good to me it gave him dominion in my life and and then he he called the shots and kept running it and and, and i ended up down the road so often it's there's small things like that that we have to nip in the bud and, um, and, and take care of that takes care of some of those other sins. And we never get to that point because we're not giving him, um, one inch is a verse. I, I love that. Uh, and, uh, I think it's the end of John 16 where Jesus says, I'm not going to talk much more with you because the prince of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Like there's no act. He has no right, no dominion, no authority. He's going to try to scare me. He's going to try to take me, but I know he's, uh, you know, it's like mm -hmm. a spider trying to climb on glass or something. It's just, there's no, there's no access yeah. point. And that's, that's what we need to focus on is, is like, how can I keep my, my whole life clean? Not just some of these big bullseye or the, you know, the big glaring targets. Right. That's what I'm trying to say of, of sin, but, but all the, the yeah. small things. And these verses, we didn't go over some of them that are more scary, like some in Hebrews six and 10. Um, but normally whenever it seems extremely scary, it's a continuous uh, there's a present continuous tense in Greek that some versions don't have. So if you read the Galatians one that we read, um, sometimes it says, if you do these things, you'll not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, but it's a present continuous tense. It, that's why I like to use some versions like the living trend, new living translation, which mm -hmm. is not much better, but it's, um, uh, can, if you live this sort of life mm -hmm. um or if you practice, practice sin yeah. like we're if you're practicing you're getting better at sin you're working mm -hmm. toward your sin then you're definitely in a dangerous spot mm -hmm. but if you're practicing righteousness and working toward righteousness mm -hmm. don't do mourn over your sin but don't let it let the being sometimes when you fall or are not completely victorious don't let it crush you and mm -hmm. um remember yeah. that there's promise of, of forgiveness of sin like he said when you're walking in the light as jesus is in the light confess your sins mm -hmm. and just keep moving just keep moving don't stop all right great great conversation guys just a couple quick announcements daniel do we have any um 
any live questions and answer coming up with David? Yeah, Tuesday, uh, assuming that we get this out before then. No, probably not. Probably next month. But uh, I'll put it up just in case we get this out tomorrow or something. Um, Tuesday, April 26th at 7 p.m. We'll have, which is in a few days from now, a live Q&A with David Brousseau on the Historic Faith channel and um, on the Historic Faith website. And if not, then the next month, at the end of the month, probably one of the last Tuesdays around seven, we'll have another one. So very good. All right. And then uh, one other announcement, this podcast here will be uploaded to the new sound faith, sound faith dial in message line. Um, It's uh, something that we are just pulling together. Um, It's something for brothers who are in congregations who may not be permitted to be on the internet. Uh, They're not able to have smartphones or they're not able to watch YouTube. And so we want to provide them a median that they can can listen to these messages as long as along with other messages. Um, We're putting up, um, we're taking uh, some of the historic faith courses and we're getting them converted over into audio and put those up there. Uh, We also put, are going to be putting our sermons, uh, our sermons on there. A lot of the content uh, from us, the followers of the way, the historic faith that, uh, that, that's going out there, this good content that really builds God's kingdom. uh, We're going to be putting it on there. The phone number for that, if you uh, know of a brother who may not uh, be able to uh, watch YouTube, uh, if he might be interested, if you feel like these messages could benefit him, you can give him the phone number. It's 717-70-AMISH. That was 717-702-6474. And in another announcement, we have seven new messages in David Berceau's Roman series. If any one of you have been keeping up with that Roman series, uh, we've got seven more of them. And we also have uh, the second message in the head covering a series scheduled and many other messages that are scheduled to be coming out over these next many months. And, and if any of you out there would like to have early access to any of these messages, stay tuned at the end of this podcast. Uh, we will give you some special instructions on uh, how you can get early access to this stuff. So thank you for joining us today. Uh, this uh, next month, the topic is going to be for this podcast, our topic is going to be uh, discussing what is non-resistance. What does non-resistance look like in times of peace? Or what does non-resistance look like when there is no war? Um, if you uh, have enjoyed this video, we'd appreciate it if you liked the video. If you haven't, make sure you subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell. That will make sure that you get a notification anytime one of these uh, our messages or this podcast come out. Uh, thank you for joining us here with on Brothers on a Journey. Uh, you're invited to join us in this journey and uh, have a blessed day. Thank you for being a part of the Sound Faith channel as we expand the kingdom of God, seizing territory from Satan with every broadcast. This channel is made possible because of all of your generous gifts and donations. If you would like to partner with the Sound Faith channel in our battle to usher in the kingdom of God, you can make a one-time donation or give monthly on our website. The link is in the description below. You can also give monthly by signing up to be a Patreon. Depending on your Patreon level, you can gain exclusive access into the archive of SoundFaith messages and early access to future messages and broadcasts. In addition, if you sign up to be a Patreon partner level today, you will receive free membership to the Historic Faith online courses. Grow your faith by diving into over 200 lessons brought to you by leading teachers like David Berceau, Chuck Pike, Dean Taylor, and Fanny Curavilla. We thank you again for being partners with us in taking the gospel to the world.